0: Welcome to Coffee with the Sarlows. We are your hosts of the show, Karen and Kelly Sarlow. Whether you're struggling with grief or you just need answers, we connect you with spirit to find relief, clarity, and direction in life. We can help you move forward. Hello, Kelly. How are you? Um, I'm in a battle with my hair, as you know. I'm like really trying to embrace the curls, and at this point it just is what it is.
1: You know, curls slash beach wave, slash no,
0: like frizz. they're curls, but, like, they can't really agree on what they want to do, okay? And then I also don't know how to style it. So it's just there on top
1: of my head everywhere. So if somebody said to you, if you could have a hairdresser, a chef, or a housekeeper, a hairdresser for the rest of your life, a hairdresser, you definitely. I am
0: insanely clean. I do not care what the fuck I'm eating. And I just need someone to do my hair. Okay. Get it out
1: of my face. Well, okay. I I think a lot of people can understand where you're coming from when you say that you have curly hair. Mm -hmm. And I would imagine now that people are probably going to YouTube to see if they can find pictures of you with the curly hair. (laughs) to be able to say okay and we will take responses by the way i have great product if somebody i was just gonna say about i love i love the product don't get me wrong like the curls
0: are are great i just don't know what the hell i'm doing with them after that so there's that okay but like life is good right if that's your biggest complaint life is good yes that's true how
1: are you doing
0: with living with this person over here,
1: well, I have the same head of hair, so I. So totally, we're watching each other, yeah, and we can't do curly on the same days. No, one of us needs to be sane and level-headed. Yes. Okay. All right. Thank you for that. We're going to jump right into a session that I did for um, for a woman, and I'm going to name her Laquita. Okay. Uh, at the very beginning of the session, Laquita says to me, "I'm in a freaking rut," and she says, "I just want to know if you can go to the spirit guides and ask them to tell you anything about my rut." Now, I do want to say to everybody listening, sit tight, because I know that lately we've had quite a few shows about people calling in, both male, both and female, and they saying, "I'm in a rut. I'm stuck." Like you, you I'm blocked. That's why you call a psychic. Yes. You don't call a psychic and you're like, everything's great. Tell me everything's great. <laughs> you're right. You call and you're like, WTF lady. Yeah. So so her expression was, I'm in a rut, and I thought, okay, I want to do more stories about what clients are hearing in these types of situations, because you might be at home thinking, I'm in one too, and the last three client stories are not hitting the nail on the head as to what my rut is, because there are so many different reasons why we get stuck or we get into our ruts. So Laquitas asks me to do that. And I do want to also say I can see Laquita, I can see how old she is, we're over Zoom, and I want people to know that. So I would put her at around 66, pardon me, she's 65, what am I thinking? She flat out told me she was 65, and it's in my notes, (laughs) Because I said to her at one point during the session, something about, well, at my age, I'm 61. And she went, yeah, 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 I know that. I listened to the show. I'm older than you. I'm 65. So this is a 65-year-old woman wanting to know why she's in a rut, which also tells us at any age, you can be in a rut. And I think sometimes when we're younger, we think older people don't get into ruts anymore. Don't they know? Don't, haven't they got their life figured out? And now we're hearing, oh my God, you can be in your 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and still ask why you were in a rut. So I said to her, I'm going to ask the guides. I listened to the guides for quite a while. And she totally understood that we get the downloads and that we need time. And she said, I know that you need to do this. Go ahead. And then I'm just going to listen. She says, I'm, I'm recording this, but I'm also doing note-taking. And the guide started and said, you know, Karen, you, like, we're really going to have to show you brain. And we, we want to get into explaining to her um, different things that she's been through and how it's actually had an effect on her brain. One of the things that she's referring to here in a rut is fatigue. And we just want to point out to her that she was born tired and i said born tired <laughs> I said i feel this deeply right now yes it's like tired in your bones yeah and i said what do you mean for her born tired and they said well she was born in a, a very insecure attachment family style so she has parents that are anxious she has a whole dynamic where there's lots of stress in the home between mom and dad and their relationship. And there's stress um, on her and how they raise her. And she's basically stressed right from the time she's born. So she has a level of fatigue that she's been dealing with her entire life. And then we're going to say to you that she married her dad. She married a man who behaved the same way that her dad did, in spite of the fact that she thought that because I know what I don't want, I'm smart enough not to pick it. Look, we should go for coffee.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. And all of you raising your hand
1: listening to this right now, you're invited too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and coffee's going to be in an arena. As opposed to... To facilitate all of us. Yes, exactly right. So they're describing this, as you said, this bone deep type of fatigue that a regular adrenal supplement, um, a shot of iron, eating better, exercising, because, and I don't want to shoot down all of the good things that we can do to take care of ourselves, but we really need to understand that there are some levels of fatigue that are far beyond broccoli, mm-hmm. that are far beyond a vitamin supplement, um, or or even half a dozen therapy sessions. And I am not shooting down therapy by any means, because it certainly comes through in the, later in her session how badly she needs it. But we're talking about the fact that she just deserves to hear that this is her cause of a rut and that it is not her fault. And when I describe this to Laquita and say this starts at birth and the guides go into what her family was like and the parenting style and then marrying a husband and then being with this husband her whole life, and that she's 65 years old, and all of, and, and I'm going to go into more of it in, in, during the show, but when they just described that to her in the very first few sentences, she says to me, can we sit together? And I said, absolutely, we can. What do you need? And she said, oh, I just mean I want to sit with you. She says, do you think we could just have silence and look at each other? And I said, yes, we can. And she goes, okay, I noticed you have a tea. I had made myself a tea. She said, I am paying for this. So I'm saying I want like at least three to four minutes of just sitting with you in complete silence. And I went, done, Laquita. So we sat and we had full engagement of just looking at each other and sipping our tea in complete silence. No level of discomfort. And then at the end of it, She spoke because I thought, I am not breaking the silence. This is something that she has asked for, and I am meeting her needs. So she broke the silence, and she said to me, this is the first time I think in my whole life that somebody has deeply understood my fatigue. And she said, not once in the three minutes to four minutes that I asked you for silence, did you try to fix me? Did you try to tell me it was something... Um, that it wasn't, or that you tried to tell me, um, get over it, that you didn't try to tell me, forgive and move on, let go. So you didn't abuse her? She said, and I, I pointed out actually to her as well, Kelly, that I chose not to use any cliches. And she went, yeah. Yeah. She says you didn't give me any of the cliches like move on, let it go. She goes, that's what I'm trying to say. Even you know, I think people
0: mean well with this particular cliche, but when they say this too shall pass, it's true, right? Things do pass, and I and I like Mm -hmm. that's why I'm saying, or I'm saying that I think it comes from an honest place, but even that can hurt because okay, while it will pass, I'm in it right now. Yeah, my
1: reality is what I'm in, not what will pass. Yeah, and if you're just telling me it will pass, is that your level of discomfort about what I'm feeling? Is that, like, that can be one of a person's, uh, someone's
0: thoughts. For sure. It can be comfort. I want to let you know that this will not last forever and that you will be okay. That's one intention. And then another is, oh, this will pass, meaning, like, let's not spend too much time on it because I don't want to engage in this.
1: Yeah.
0: Anyway, back to your story. No, but
1: that that's good. This is part of exactly what happened in the session, though. I don't want to run out of this conversation that you're creating right now, because this is what she needed. And this is what she was acknowledging and why she asked for the three to four minutes. And I think that because she had listened to us in our podcast shows, she understood that if she asked me for three to four minutes of silence that she knew exactly what she was going to get because of our consistency mm-hmm. and how we talk to each other. Nice. And I, I wanted to point that out because it is something that people listening to this have to consider about themselves. When somebody really just wants me to listen to what they're feeling or what they're experiencing, they don't want me to fix it or to give them any cliches, but they're simply asking for me to be present. Am I?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I, When we were in that silence, Kelly, I said, we maintained eye contact. Mm -hmm. We sipped our tea together and we sat in silence with no level of discomfort. And that can take practice for some people who think eye contact, (laughs) I would have been sweating right there. No conversation, I would have fidgeted. I would have grabbed my phone. I would have been like, okay, let's get going. We got to move. And so what I'm doing here is I'm asking people to really consider when they're listening to this today, what is my response when my child, my coworker, my boss, my employee, uh, my friend, my partner, whoever in your life is asking for your time, for your energy, for your presence, and nothing else. And you are so uncomfortable that you you don't know what to do with that or can you just sit there today and go, hell, I had no idea. I just didn't even know that's what they were asking for because I got so trained to offer all the other things. I could do that happily. Are you that person could say, wow, I just didn't know that I should hit the pause button and say, hey, what do you need? Mm -hmm. And do the asking and then go, yeah, I could totally sit with you and do that and provide that. And the other thing that she added then was that, That silence also gave her an opportunity to feel like she wasn't okay. And she goes, this is a weird thing. She says, because my whole life has been that I go automatically into, I'm supposed to have an answer myself. I'm supposed to know what to do. I'm supposed to be thinking. I'm supposed to be explaining. I'm supposed to be doing something. And she goes, so I wanted to see what it would be like to sit with somebody where I wasn't expected to do anything. And she goes, so, I don't know. She says, i just listened to you and Kelly. And she says, and I thought, maybe it would be really interesting to see what would happen to me and what would happen to my body and where would I feel things? Because, you know, you guys are always talking about stuff like that. Where would, where might I feel that in my body or what might happen to my brain if Karen wasn't asking anything of me? What would happen to me? And I said to her, did you did you notice in your body where you did feel it then? And she goes... I did, and and she says, but I'd I'd like you to go on. She says, so I'm just going to hit pause for a second, and could you go on? And so I asked the guide. I said, okay, where does she want me to go with that? And the guide said, well, we want you to, sh- to we want to show you her brain. We want to explain some things to you because where she felt it was in her head, and she doesn't know how to explain the feelings she's been having in her brain. I haven't I haven't been told that very often in my life. I'm feeling it in my brain. Lots of people say, I feel it in my gut. I feel it in my chest. I feel it here. I feel it there. And she's like, uh, she did confirm that after about feeling it in the brain. But what happened at that particular time was that the guides showed me her brain. And Kel, you know how you see the different slides for the brain? Nope. But go ahead. Well, the different screens, like when you get like the...
0: No, mine are superimposed they're layered. Oh yeah, I, okay. Oh, okay. But it's not a horizontal looking around at scans. It's like um it's like a well, it's
1: superimposed layer by layer. Okay, you explained it better than me because I'm going to end up using about the layers in the brain after. So I'm going to say that you did a better job. So thank you. I was trying to say different screens, but it actually is layers. So the guides were showing me that she had a series of mini strokes. Mm -hmm. And I got to look at that and I got to see what I would call like these little granular, yeah. Mm -hmm. And these little, like almost like nerve endings or squiggly lines where they're dead at the end. And they said, these are her strokes and this is where it's affected different parts of the brain and her thinking. And I'm like, okay. And they said to me, she's going to confirm this for you. She has validation. And I'm like, okay, validation from where? Like, and they said, no, she's like been to a doctor. She's gone through tests. She knows she's had many strokes. Like, this is good. Okay. And they said, and we want to also show you her heart. She has had a minor heart attack. Okay. Does she know about the minor heart attack? Yes, she does. She will give you medical validation. She knows about both. And she knows about where the damage is. She's like, she's really good. She's done her medical stuff. And I said, okay, that's great. And they said, so we want you to tell her that because it's going to allow her to build trust that you're seeing this, that you're getting this information. Please tell her you are seeing it please tell her that we are talking to you about it because she actually has questions about different aspects of everything that's going to come up. So I said, okay. So I I brought all that up and I said, you know, I'm being told you're going to be able to validate it. You've already been to a doctor. You do know that you've had a series of mini strokes. And she goes, yeah. And I said, and you've got good information about it. And I said, And you're also looking for the, like, you want me to be able to validate for you, you have had a minor um, heart attack. And she goes, I have. She goes, I'm curious as to what the guides were saying about it. So the guides had said to me that doctors' opinions were such that they have offered that her cause of the many strokes of the heart condition has to do with lifelong stress. She validated that, that is what her doctor told her. And she goes, now I booked my appointment with you because this blows me away that you are going to know this without me telling you (laughs) and without me saying, here are the tests and I can send them to you. She says, this is fabulous. And it's a great validation for, for both of us. What else do the guides wanna tell me about it? So I had to take a little bit longer with the guides again And Kelly, they went in and they showed me, um, and I'm hoping you're going to help me with this part, because I know you know more about the brain scientifically than I do, but they showed me what I believe is the limbic system, reptilian, amygdala, like they showed me certain parts of the brain and they would go to this part of the brain and they would say, this reptilian part of the brain is her fight, flight, fawn center. Freeze. Freeze freeze. And this got stimulated from Mm -hmm. being in the crib. And I'm like, oh my God. And they're like, yep, this is when this starts to get activated. So we want to show you that this part of the brain literally is like lighting up and getting zapped like constantly. And I don't know how to really say this to people, but when the guides are showing me that, it's like I feel pain. Mm -hmm. It's like they would show me something that mom and dad were doing to create inconsistency or lack of care or consideration of her that just healthy people would do for a, another human being, and you can literally see where that center in her brain is being damaged. But you can also see where other parts of the brain, where messages with where there is security, are supposed to be supposed to be being created are just kind of like laying there. So the reptilian brain is the most basic
0: part of our brain, right? It's the one that we develop first.
1: Yeah. And oh.
0: when it is not nurtured properly, it affects the development of the rest of the centers of the brain as development is supposed to be occurring in those first couple of years, right? Yeah. So we're going to experience the most basic emotions there too, like fear. You're, you're registering threat if you think about us as an evolution of species, mm-hmm. that's what's developed first to risk assess,
1: right? Oh, go ahead. Well, they end up explaining that this risk assessment that you're talking about is something that doesn't get developed properly. So right as she continues to go through life, this isn't this doesn't develop as a child, so she's got really weird behaviors other parents don't think are, and teachers don't think are appropriate, but don't understand. Now, remember, she's 65. Don't understand it, so they, she gets disciplined for things that, she, that just make no sense
0: to her. Right, so you think about a hypersensitive area of the brain that's constantly trying to register threat because everything does actually feel like a threat. It's oversensitive, right? It's like a sensitive car alarm that's just constantly going by or going Mm -hmm. off when someone walks by it, even if they don't touch it, Mm -hmm. right? Now, the other part I was going to say is when she was registering actual pain in the body, neglect can create that, right? So if you don't have and I mean, physical abuse can can create that as well. I don't know what her situation is, but when certain parts of the brain are not being properly activated, properly stimulated, properly cared for, mm-hmm. there's essentially, you can Google it, there's a system where you actually map <laughs> out body parts on top of the brain. Um, it's a really interesting picture and I'll, I'll attach it to the, the show notes. So when certain parts of the brain, or are, pardon me, certain parts of the brain are connected to certain parts of the body, right? So when something is stimulated or not stimulated, those areas of the body itself that are connected to it end up expressing, for lack of a better term, um, how they're being affected. So Kelly, is this also part of the limbic system? So the limbic system is another part of the brain that develops our emotions, or yes. our emotions are developed within it, right? Okay. Emotions, and then you're talking about amygdala, um, there's emotions and memory get tied up really um, really intricately. Okay, but in a secondary part of the brain. But you think about if you don't have a properly developing reptilian area of the brain, how messed up for lack of, you know, scientific terms, is your emotion center. Okay, this is what the guys were showing me. And if they're playing off of each other constantly and what you're doing is registering threat, then that limbic system is primed for some of what we would call the more negative emotions.
1: Yeah. So would this explain then like where the guides are showing me that this is going on? So they would show me like one screen, if you could see a TV screen where I'm watching mom and dad. I'm watching teachers, I'm watching school systems, friend groups, eventually I'm watching where she's dating and where she meets her husband, and how her whole risk assessment for guys she never should have gone out with and married, Um, she doesn't have the right ability that a healthy person would have to assess that this is not a safe person. So she picks a very narcissistic husband, and no, there was no physical abuse in answer, or not in answer, but in to address what you said earlier. But there's tons of this emotional stuff that she's very used to that comes from mom and dad. Right. So while there are red flags going like crazy, and her body's trying to send her, so I'm watching where her body's trying to send her these messages of, of, this is a red flag, this is a red flag, Her system is so dormant and dead to it, or if you want to call it overstimulated, that she no longer can pay attention to that red, you know, uh, buzzer going off. She just thinks it's regular noise. Mm -hmm. And so this contributes to a work environment where when red flags are going off at work, she pays no attention and co-workers look at her and her bosses look at her and they flag her that she's a problem. They flag her and pull her in and address it and say, you're not dealing with these issues properly. And it is far beyond her comprehension to even understand it. So she looks at them like deer in the headlights, like just totally not getting it. And they look at her like, what aren't you getting? Mm -hmm. And they have to sit there and try and figure out is she a narcissist is she is she just not there is this something with mental illness like and they try and figure out amongst themselves what's wrong with her but the bottom line is she can't progress mm-hmm. the bottom line is there's there's no advancement there, because even though she's got other parts of the brain where she can store memory, she can regurgitate information, she doesn't understand why she isn't getting the promotions and the jobs because she really does think she's a good person, she really does like her work, she cannot understand it. So when the guides explain this, she looks at me and goes, oh my God. Like, you, like there is such a moment mm-hmm. that it is unbelievable.
0: Yeah, when you don't know you're stunted... And someone says, you're stunted.
1: That is stunning. Yes. Right? Like, you need a minute. Yeah. And, like, I really did, like, to the best of my ability in that time, say to her, what do you need? Because this is hard to hear. You're hearing that these people had these thoughts and these wonderings about your personality, about who you are, what you were capable of, capable of. How you were thinking, how you were incapable of thinking certain things, the way that you were responding appropriately and inappropriately with emotions. And she went, Yep. She goes, This totally explains so much, so many of the conversations. She goes, This can explain to me so many of the endings of friendships where I got dumped, I got like cold turkey, or I got people saying things to my face like, What the hell were you thinking? where I've been confronted over and over again about my behavior or my moods. Uh, and she says, because the one thing I can say consistently is that people were flabbergasted or confused by my responses to things. And she goes, so you're telling me that I am wired inappropriately. She says, I don't have healthy wirings to figure these things out. And I said, correct. Correct. And she goes, which would also explain. And I said, she goes, well, no, just a minute. She goes, I'm not going to explain it. Can you continue? But can you talk about my marriage? And I went, yeah. So I asked the guys. I said, okay, look, you're showing me these scans. You're talking about her brain. You're talking about her being in a rut. We're trying to stay focused. What do you want me to tell her about the relationship? And they said, well, her, her husband is like her dad. So he gaslights her constantly. So there's this also whole part of the brain where when she really does get something right and she's got to work so hard to get something right, I'll say healthy, pardon me, something healthy, he will come along and make sure that that's all in confusion. He will come along, the husband... And make sure that he says, no, that's not what I said. No, that's not what those people think. No. And he purposely creates confusion to devalue her, to demoralize her, to control her so she has nowhere to go. I just remembered thinking, oh, my God, I, I, I can't believe that I have to tell her this on top of everything else. And the guide said, no, this is exactly why she's called. She's asked you what the rut is. The rut is the wiring in her brain. And what we want her to know too is that she's gone through her whole life thinking that if I just don't want this, this isn't something I I want for myself, Um, I know what I don't want anymore, then I'm okay. But we're trying to tell her it's not enough to say, I know what I don't want. You actually have to rewire your brain. And she doesn't accept and has never accepted the fact that it's actually the rewiring of the brain that has to occur, or she is going to live the rest of her life with another person who does the very same thing. And I said, another person, she's left her husband, and they said, yes, but and 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 what she's going to ask you eventually is am I going to have a new partner? Am I going to end up being loved? Am I finally going to find love? Am I finally going to get my soulmate? She wants to know these types of things coming in the session. So I I said to her what the guide said about the brain needing to actually be rewired and that you can it's not enough to just say I don't want something without knowing how to rewire your brain so that you actually behave, speak, think, be, all of it, um, have core beliefs ar- th- around things that are actually healthy. Well, okay, can we
0: spell this out a little bit more? Because I think yeah. for some people, they're going to be like, well, well, what? What do you mean? Like, how? How do I rewire my brain? And those are fair questions. So let's just kind of take it to a, a basic scenario. If I'm sitting at a restaurant and someone says, what kind of cake do you want? And I say, well, not chocolate chip. That's fine. That's a good place to start cuz at mm-hmm. least you don't know, you know what you don't want. But if we're not in a practice to know what questions to ask, what kind of self-assessment or check-in to be able to know what you want to move toward, mm-hmm. the brain actually doesn't register negatives. So it actually stays focused on not chocolate chip and here's chocolate chip. Okay? So we end up moving toward the thing we're focused on mm-hmm. even though we're saying not that. Mm -hmm. so it can disguise itself as something else and we don't see it coming because we Mm -hmm. don't know what we want to move toward. We're still focused on not this. Mm -hmm. So we're on the lookout for it, but we're not moving in the direction that we want to go, right? So every time you are in a practice of, of checking in with yourself to say, okay, not chocolate chip, but what, then what? Vanilla, maybe. Cherry chip, definitely not. Cookie dough, okay, possibly. Mint, yes. Now I've gone through a process in my brain. I've actually implemented a process beyond not that, mm-hmm. where my brain, my brain now knows to go through options. Mm-hmm. My brain now knows how to create them, find them, ask for them, and then come to an answer, mm-hmm. right? And that's true of any decision that we're making, not just cake. I just thought that was a neutral yeah. and fun example.
1: Yeah, it is. Both. So there was a great conversation around how we have to go forward to create the wiring. And she asked for some resources. But one of the key things the guide said to her about the rewiring was therapy. And that you can't rewire your brain by simply reading a book or by simply saying, I want to rewire my brain by walking around saying positive rough. Affirmations. Mm-hmm. And they said, no, like we, we aren't deterring you from doing some good and healthy things like that. But you actually need to be in therapy with a with a therapist who's trained to do it and who's trained to, to figure out the what the the wirings you've actually got so that those ones can be pulled apart and healthy ones can be implemented. So that you don't just say, oh, I'm going to go find some healthy ones but I've still got these unhealthy ones here. And oh, let's just see if we can squish these ones in with the unhealthy ones. So there's like a surgery that's required to remove the healthy ones. And that has to be looked at with a therapist about her particular life and her particular beliefs. Over
0: a period of time. Correct. I think though surgery is a really interesting analogy, and there is truth to it, it's not a one shot deal. Correct. It needs to be something that we pinpoint, k here's the source of the of the issue or the problem. And yes, we're going to work at continuously removing that, mm-hmm. but we also need the accountability to, to get the work done to do the removing. And we need the feedback loop as well from the other person to be able to say, yes, you're doing great, keep going, mm-hmm. versus you slipped, you didn't recognize it, let's try again, or let's keep going,
1: mm-hmm. right?
0: Like that's, that's time and consistency. Mm-hmm. You think about what it took to wire the brain. We now have to unlearn and learn something new. That's
1: going to take lots of time. Yeah, and and the spirit guides told her too that this is not the job of a girlfriend. No, this is your girlfriends were not vetted <laughs> to make sure that they were all therapists and that they were all uh, qualified to do this, at ready, willing, and able every time you get together for a coffee to hold you accountable and to teach you. Mm-hmm. And she went, she just laughed at that. And she goes, yeah, that's fair. And I said, so don't put that on them. And don't put that on a date. Don't put that on your future partner. You have to give that role and responsibility to a fully trained person with an education and a paycheck <laughs> and a time timeframe um, with homework, all the things you're talking about, that's properly done for you. And then you will really feel... Cared for. And when I said that, you will really feel cared for, she just took a great big breath. And she said, Well, that would be the first time in my life, then, wouldn't it? And I said, It could very well be the first time in your life where you really, truly do have your first healthy relationship. Mm -hmm. And I said, And it may very well be with your therapist. And that's perfect. So we just about had wrapped up our session, Kelly, and the spirit guides came in and said, "We want to talk about one more thing that because she's writing notes, we want her to write down to bring to therapy is that she future fakes herself." And that she's the like she's been trained to future fake. Other her dad has done it to her, her partners done it to her, but now she does it to herself. And she thinks In the future, I will get this. I will do this in the future. She doesn't take accountability for now. And they said, tell her to write it down and tell her to take it to therapy. And that when the time is right, the therapist will catch it in the right moment when she's doing it and be able to address it with her each time she gets into the pattern of the future faking herself. So she wrote that little note down to take to her therapist. And then I gotta tell you at the end of the session, Kelly, she asked for the last two minutes for us just to sit together like we had at the beginning of the session. And she said, you know, Karen, she said, I think my last couple of minutes with you, she says I, I I'm not looking to run the clock out like to the very last second um and pump it full with information. She says my last two minutes is simply going to be to sit with you, sipping our tea, where I now know that I'm sitting with somebody who's healthy. And I, this is going to be my move forward, That, but I want to sit in this moment with you. Not future faking myself, just being here. And she says, this is how I want to end it. That's how we ended our session, just looking at each other, having our tea. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. That's the first time I think I've ever done that in all of the sessions I've done in 13 years. Mm-hmm. because I don't, I don't know that I've ever had another person that didn't want channeling right to the very last minute, and, and justifiably so for some other people, mm-hmm. right? But this was unique. She was so different by the end of the session, Kelly, because there was so much relief in knowing what that rut was caused by and what she could do about it going forward. There was this calmness about her and peacefulness. Beautiful. And congratulations.
0: You did a wonderful job. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Coffee with the Sarlows. If you enjoyed the show today, help spread the love with a like, share, or review of the podcast. See you next Saturday with a brand new episode.